Welcome to Just Think, the podcast. The podcast where we don't want to tell you what to think. We just want to encourage you to do it. We are three friends that came from across the political spectrum who were tired of partisan politics and were alarmed at what we saw happening in our country, including the growing political divide. But we found as we challenged ourselves to recognize our own biases, to put them aside, we were absolutely united in our pursuit for the truth. And that's why we started this podcast to share the conversations we were having around that pursuit and to invite you into our conversation. To encourage you to feel free to ask questions. Search for the answers yourself to say what you think. That's right, because as we like to say, diversity of thought, ideas, and beliefs are welcome here. Asshats are not. (laughs) (laughs) All are welcome as long as you just think. Everybody, welcome to another episode of Just Think the Podcast. This is Holly and Amy and Kristen. And today's episode um, is quite the controversial one because our country is in the middle of another debate as Roe versus Wade was overturned in the last week. And certainly it has set the internet ablaze with information, misinformation, fear mongering. Um, all the things that we always see anytime there is a there is a, a political divide in the country. Now I got to be honest, I don't love tackling topics that are so highly emotional and controversial unless we have a really strong reason to wade into the waters. And Kristen, Amy, and I all feel strongly that this is a conversation we need to number one normalize having a conversation of different opinions that are continually focused back on the facts. And the reason that's important is because you've got to find, anytime you have a disagreement, you try to find the common ground, right? Where where can we agree? And then you can agree to disagree. But it's important that you find the common ground and the, and the facts that you can, the undisputed facts that you can agree on. And I do think that that's what we want to bring to you today. We're not trying to bring to you our personal feelings or opinions, though we might mention, you know, some of those things in our discussions, because we're not trying to hold back here. We're not, we're not trying to be politically correct. We're trying to demonstrate what it's like for three friends with three different opinions and feelings about something and how you can have a a polite discourse and how you can talk about this in a way that helps people understand what's really going on here. And what we all three agree on very much is that the truth is not being told about everything. The truth hasn't been told about everything. And my son Anderson sent me this video this morning that I want to kick it off with. Um, And the reason I want to kick it off with this is because it demonstrates, it's really short, but it is Justice Sotomayor who had the dissenting opinion on the on this case. She she did not vote to overturn Roe versus Wade, but she was talking about Clarence Thomas, someone that the left has vehemently attacked um, since the leak, but certainly since his opinion on the ruling. So I want you to hear what Justice Sonia Sotomayor says about all of this. Take a listen. Oh, please, please. Here we go. Sorry, let me. But I suspect I have probably disagreed with him more than with any other justice. That we have not joined each other's opinions more than anybody else. And yet, Justice Thomas is the one justice in the building 
that literally knows every employee's name, that they, every one of them. And not only does he know their names, he remembers their families' names. And, he, and it's now gonna be, of course, it's, histories. here we go. He's the first one who will go up to someone when you're walking with him and say, is your son okay? How's your daughter doing in college? He's the first one that when my stepfather died, sent me flowers in Florida. He is a man who keeps, cares deeply about the court as an institution, about the people who work there, but about people. He has a different vision than I do. It's gonna keep going, hold tight. About how to help people and about their responsibilities to help themselves. I've often said to people, Justice Thomas believes that every person can pull themselves up by their bootstraps. I believe that some people can't get to their bootstraps without help. They need someone to help them lift their foot up so they can reach those bootstraps. That's a very different philosophy of life. But I think we share a common understanding. It's gonna keep going, just glitch in the video. About people and kindness towards them. That's why I can be friends with him and still continue our daily battle <laughs> over our difference of opinions in cases. And I wanna remind everybody, they weren't the only two Supreme Court justices that managed to be friends in spite of their differences. We gotta remember that Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who by the way, and we're gonna talk about her today, at one point really <clears throat> did question the constitutionality of Roe versus Wade as well. But she and Justice Scalia had a very tight friendship. They, I think they even vacationed together. Their families were friends. And they saw things from very different viewpoints. We need to get back in this country from being able to agree, as Christian, Kristen and Amy and I do, on the facts of the case, while being able to see perhaps the answers or the, um, the way we see that maybe we should remedy problems in a different way. And that's how we want to start conversation today. So girls, what's been going on in your mind ever since you heard about the ruling? What are you noticing on social media and what do you want to address today first? Well, one thing that just goes along to your point about getting back to being able to talk to each other and being able to continue friendships, even though we may disagree on things, is that one thing I've noticed a lot, a lot of um, from both sides is if you don't like this, unfriend me, unfollow me, block me, you know, or, you know, why, why are we trying to cut each other off, you know, just because we don't think the same way? Um, I think that's really sad and really just a bad way to move forward is just to go ahead and tell everyone that this is what I believe. And if you don't believe it, then go ahead and hit the unfriend button now. <laughs> Well, I think that's just been the trend over the past yeah. couple of years. This is just another way to divide the, the country. And I, I also, I've noticed 
maybe more importantly is even more misinformation yes. and I don't know where them damn fact checkers are because right. they are not there on me like flies on shiitake but <laughs> they are not on the actual misinformation that's floating around and it's also surprising just I'm not surprised with the propaganda but I'm surprised with some of like the um like even medical professionals that are posting misinformation about like the definitions of all of this and like uh, abortions and and ectopic pregnancies and you know how they're treated and I'm like you you know that's not I think that was how like, it's treated and I think it's like it's just instilling fear and that's why we're here too y'all to to present we and we have differing views and honestly I have learned a lot literally just in the past week just in the past week because I've never really taking a nosedive into Roe versus Wade and the constitution, you know? So, and, and what we've heard before is like our, our, what we believe really is irrelevant to all of this. Everybody thinks everything changed right now, but truly it, it just went back to where it should have been. Right. I think, yeah. I think like our opinions on this, like, like Holly said, maybe you'll get a glimmer of what they are. Um, but really it doesn't, it doesn't matter. You don't need to know how we feel about this. It's not going to change anything. Um, and it is irrelevant. It's just, we're just trying to stick to the facts and let go of the emotion. I think one of the very first things that we started seeing, like Kristen said, the very first thing that I started noticing was all the misinformation specifically around the, the non-viable emergency pregnancy situations. Like yep. there's this one meme that keeps floating around that says, do you know if you have an ectopic pregnancy, which that's a pregnancy that uh, stays in your fallopian tube and your fallopian tube will burst and you will die. That baby is not going to live. I mean, that's, that's a non-viable pregnancy or a septic uterus non-viable pregnancy, or what was the other one? I can't remember the other one. It was like, um, oh, a miscarriage that doesn't release, you know, on its own that, that somehow doctors are going to say, well, sorry, ladies with those situations, like you, just need, to, you need to go home and there's nothing we can do because we can't perform abortions. I guess immediately when I saw people posting that and this starts swirling around the internet, I'm thinking to myself, okay, common sense brain turns on and I'm like, well, this doesn't make sense at all. Mm -hmm. This is a completely, this is a medical emergency right. of a non-viable pregnancy. And it is a procedures that are done in the hospital and you're not really electing to have them done. You medically you're, it's necessary for them to be done and there is no baby. So that's completely different to me than, than, you know, what we're talking about with abortion, but people were lumping it in the same category and making it sound like women were just going to be thrown to the wolves and just at the expense of, of, you know, mm -hmm. these medical emergencies, because the term abortion is a part of that process in the medical coding, I guess, or whatever. Well, yeah, miscarriage is spontaneous abortion. So it, that it will, you will see that, but that does not mean it was an elective, uh, an elective abortion. That's right. And That's that right. is what, yeah, go ahead, Holly. I know you've yeah. been diving into like the actual laws and everything, but I know that it was based on, or part of mostly like the 14th amendment it's it's all on the premise of the right to every person deserves the right to life liberty and the pursuit of happiness well, when right you, when you so, see that one thing floating around you're like okay well then what else what else isn't true like what else is misinformation if this is if this is so easily being spread and people are buying into this what else around this topic 
is actually not the case and we need to dive in so that's what we've been I mean Michelle Obama even posted she posted something and it said she said the fact I can't I I should find a direct quote do you have that pull it up no I don't have it right this minute but I but I was actually looking for it just a second ago because I wanted to she makes a comment in there um, and we need and we need to find it because I don't want to misquote her. I want to be very fair on this. That certainly insinuates that even you know women who want the is. baby. You got it. You got it. You see it. Amy, it says for the mother of a non-viable pregnancy who is now forced to bring that pregnancy to term. To term. No, that no, is no, not, not true. true. That is not true. And, and the fact checkers are bad right she now. The fact checkers are dead. I don't know million, where they are. Fifty million <laughs> followers. Fifty million. Yeah. So, so this is why I have loved ones in my life who were terrified, truly, about what could happen in their wanted pregnancies as a result of this. So they're not even thinking about necessarily abortion for themselves. They're thinking, well, how does this affect my reproductive rights? And certainly we're hearing that screamed very loudly on the internet, right? Women's reproductive rights. Well, let's, let's do this, girls. Let's do a quick recap because I feel like most people like us, didn't know the context, right? We don't know the history of Roe v. Wade. So let's, let's start with what just happened. Okay. I want everyone to know Trump didn't just put three and I'm not, this is not a defense of Trump, but I know that he's been attacked and, and accused of being responsible for this. Here's how he's involved in this. He got the chance to appoint three Supreme court justices. He said his words were, I will appoint pro life justices. Now, um, the, the problem with that is we don't want to put, we certainly don't want to put activist judges on the court. We want to put justices on the court that adhere to the Constitution. And one of the other things we're seeing going wrong here is people calling for the rewriting of the Constitution or to do away with it. That's a, that's a podcast for another day. But we've got to have a common ground here. And this is where we start. The Constitution has served us well for 250 years, and we're going to stick to that. And that is the Supreme Court's job. Right. So back, uh, what happened recently was Dobbs versus Jackson's Women Health Org organization. And what that was was in the state of Mississippi. They, this doctor who was pro choice along with Jackson's, with Jackson Women's Health Organization, challenged a law in Mississippi. Mississippi, stay with me here, has this thing called Gestational Age Act. And it says that abortions are permitted only for medical emergency or in the case of a severe fetal abnormality. So basically mother's life's in danger or baby is not going to be very viable outside the womb. That you could only do an abortion after 15 weeks for those reasons. Okay. So up to 15 weeks, you can choose whatever your personal reasons are. But after 15, there had to be a medical emergency for the mother or, or the baby, right? There'd be a problem there. Okay, so this doctor and this organization takes this to court. And by the way, um, it, it, goes, it goes before two different courts, uh, you know, in the, in, the, um, in the legal process, and it ends up at the Supreme Court, okay? And the Supreme Court had to go back because here's what happened. Dobbs argued to the Supreme Court that the act that Mississippi has is legal, I mean, was legal and that Roe versus Wade was wrongly decided. So in other words, that Mississippi had the right under the original constitution, by the way, guys, here's what the original constitution says. All powers not delegated to the federal government belong with the states. And it specifies what federal powers are, 
We don't get to keep adding to them. Okay, even though we have, we don't get to, that's not supposed to happen. So what Dobbs argued was Mississippi has the right to legislate abortion in its state and Roe versus Wade is not based on constitutionality. Now, this case went before this new Supreme Court where Trump has added three justices that he believes are pro-life. Now, in their interviews, and we can go back through their interviews up until being appointed to Supreme Court, what did they say? I can't tell you how I will rule on any question about Roe versus Wade because I have to look at the facts of that case that would challenge Roe versus Wade. Well, they got one. Here's why they got one. Because a pro-choice doctor wanted to challenge the laws of a state. Do you guys follow me here? This wasn't like these activist judges got on the Supreme Court and said, let's go overturn Roe versus Wade. No, they had to have a precedent that they had to rule on and they ruled on it. Now, I know this gets complicated, but we're gonna keep it very simple, okay? The Supreme Court, when they did not say we're gonna make abortion illegal, they did not. This They, they only said that, that Roe versus Wade, and then there was, uh, Casey versus Planned Parenthood, right? That was, there was two cases that had come before the Supreme Court and they had to go back. Why? Because they were cited as precedents in the case today. And what this is what they said. The critical question is whether the Constitution properly understood confers a right to obtain an abortion. Casey, well, it was Casey versus Planned Parenthood that happened in the 90s. And that was, a, that was determined based on Roe versus Wade. Casey's controlling opinion skipped over that question and reaffirmed Roe solely on the basis of stare decisis. Have you guys heard about stare decisis in the news? Okay, what stare decisis is, it means to stand by things decided. So it means when a court faces a legal argument, if a previous court has ruled on a same or similar subject, it, it can just make their decision in alignment with a previous ruling, okay? Everybody follow me. So you have Roe versus Wade, which was passed, by the way, by all white men. So all you screaming about white men, they passed Roe versus Wade. Um, I'm just going to bring that up. Um, and so what happened was the, the cases that came past it used stare decisis, but never questioned or argued the constitutionality of Roe versus Wade. Okay. And guess what? In 1992, Planned Parenthood versus Casey they never had a majority decision on that. So you know how that gets quoted as a pro-abortion um, argument? It actually was a plurality opinion. A plurality opinion is when not all the justices can come to a concrete conclusion, but they have more justices that not that agree on most things. Does that make sense? So there was a lot of nuance in there and it did change. So whereas Roe versus Wade said you can have abortions up to certain, um, up to certain gestations, with certain rules behind what that can be until the baby's viable, in which time it is not allowed or it's not permitted. But remember the state of California wanted you to do it up until what? A week before birth. Okay, so this is a state. No, no peri perinatal was that gray definition, which can be seven days after birth. Okay, so that's a state that wanted to go against the federal ruling as well. Because the federal ruling had said, you know, in Roe versus Wade, 23, 23, 24 weeks. Once there's a viable baby, it's off the table. Okay, so now that we understand that what was voted on was constitutionality, I wanna also help you understand why 
there was a, um, why did Roe versus Wade even happened? Roe versus Wade happened based on, they cited the 14th Amendment. And the 14th Amendment says that no state shall make or enforce any law which shall abridge the privileges or immunities of the citizens of the U.S., nor shall any state deprive any person of life, liberty, or property without due process of law, nor deny to any person within its jurisdiction the equal protection of laws. And the argument was that women, you know, being in a different position than men, you can't you know, put them at uh, basically a disadvantage since they're the ones who can carry the babies and they use that 14th Amendment. The irony being this, the 14th Amendment was written long before, long before abortion was a practice or any kind of common practice for sure, right? It was not, abortion wasn't a thing in their minds at the time. Guys, it was written for the, for, for the Black people. It extended civil and legal rights for Black citizens who were formerly enslaved or born into this country. Okay, that's who it was for. Now, here's the irony. Black people, now, Black women today are three times more likely to get an abortion. And if you include abortion as ending a life, it is the number one killer of Black people in America. Mm. Okay, so the irony around all this is if we want to talk about Black Lives Matter, there's there's a lot of context that we need to bring into more of these conversations about whether it's helping or hurting our country. And but I think that where people are wrong, it, we have not outlawed, we have not outlawed abortion. That's not what's happened. We move the power back to the states. And I know Amy and Kristen, you guys have seen some things that you thought resonated with you about the power to the people, right? So when this change happened, it's now going back to who? Who are the states? The states are the voters of that state. Right, it's, that's, that's what a democracy is. It goes back to our elected officials. All right. So now if you want to change, then you need to get involved in your local government, which is what we have realized regretful, regretfully late <laughs> in our lives that local is what matters. So local voting. So if you really want to make changes, that's where it happens. That kind of dispels that, you know, I see a lot of people posting like the government shouldn't be in my uterus. <laughs> or, you know, and so it's kind of like, well, congratulations. That's what they just voted yeah, on. They, they're not. They're they're out. Yay! Woo! <laughs> they are getting out of your uterus. Hallelujah! And they're giving the power back to the state so that you can vote for your. If you don't like what what your state's doing currently with with their with the abortion, then you can either I guess choose to move or choose to vote and <laughs> make it make a change in in your state. And that's what this country is founded on: is power to the people. We the people. We decide. Right. right. And I don't think we want our laws being determined by nine justices on a court anyway. Right. I mean, that that Supreme Court is there as a checks and balance. It's not right. there to create laws. Let's all have a government lesson, <laughs> please. It's not there to create laws. It's there to determine if laws line up and they are cohesive and they are they are constitutional. And right. what the Supreme Court did was and listen, let's not I'm going to I would believe that Amy Comey Barrett and um, and uh, Kavanaugh probably, I think they're both Catholic. I imagine they're very pro-life. Um, we certainly know that Justice Thomas says, I have no doubt that they wanted to see this overturned on a personal level. However, it is not their job to bring 
their personal opinions into that job. And that's what they swear an oath to. And in fact, we want to play a clip. Yes, I was about to say, this is a great segue into segue, segue it, Kristen. Tell them what's up. Tell them what it is. Well, no, it's a great segue into a, a podcast that Holly brought to our attention with, uh, honestly, with Barry Weiss. And it's real. when Holly or you, who oh, someone yeah. was um, listening to it and it was with a Yale professor. What was his name? Um, um, we did. We, actually, we, have, we have a rumble that's like about six or seven minutes long, but this is just a two minute clip that is very, very good. So I just want y'all to listen to this. She's explaining she, yeah, that she asked pro-choice, but does not agree with Roe versus Wade, even though he's pro-choice and Barry's like, why, how, or yeah. how does that happen? Yes, he is a Yale law professor. He's actually cited in the decision by Alito. Alito yeah. used him as one of the constitutional experts of our of our time. Guys, yeah. he cited more times than any other person in history for his constitutional expertise. And he is liberal, Democrat, pro-choice. Okay, but he defends the decision. Now, by the way, this was recorded before the final verdict came out, but when it was leaked that it was coming, he stood up for all of the justices and said this was the right call. We want you to hear what he has to say. I think a lot of people think about Roe as being synonymous with being pro-choice. Explain to us how a person can be both pro-choice and anti-Roe. A person like me could be pro-choice and anti-Roe because I think the Constitution, rightly read, honestly read is not the same as what my Akhil Amar's personal preferences are. Personally, I don't have a gun. Guns rather scare me, but I think actually Americans have a right to have a gun in their home for self-protection. That's, in my view, the better reading of the Constitution's text, its history, its precedence, and so on. Personally, I'm pro-choice, and I'm pro-choice because Although I understand and deeply respect the sanctity of innocent, unborn human life, I personally think that there are a lot of complex medical and moral issues that are implicated in different situations. And I generally trust women to make better decisions than the government, which can be very flat-footed and, and crude. There, there are abortions, for example, um, in situations where pregnancies are desperately wanted. People have been hoping to get pregnant for a very long time and they're, they're so happy that they are, but then the doctor informs them that the fetus is not going to be in the end viable. It's going to die in a horrible childbirth or something. It's anencephalic, other things, there are other defects. And if the pregnancy ends now, the person might be able to get pregnant more quickly, you know, and, and give birth to an innocent unborn human life that will actually survive. You know, later on and, and more quickly. So there's so many complicated situations that personally, I think government is um, uh, ham-handed and, and I tend to trust women. I so, and the other thing I want to tell you guys, his name is Akil Amar. Akil Amar. Go watch Honestly with Barry Weiss. Go watch the entire, um, go listen to the entire podcast, but also go listen to our Rumble link and hear more. He even answers the question. She says, do you think that the Supreme Court justices lied when they were being, you know, when they had to sit before the Senate hearing committees and say their stances on things before they were, um, you know, approved to be a, a part of the Supreme Court? He says, no, I don't believe they lied. 
they quoted stare decisis. They said stare decisis does have a place in our legal system. It was what was used for the uh, Casey uh, versus Planned Parenthood or Planned Parenthood versus Casey. This, these were all used and they have to be evaluated. And so they said, I can't rule on something until I see what the actual facts of the case are. I wanna remind everyone the most recent um, the most recent candidate we have for Supreme Court that was nominated by Biden. Uh, Y'all, her name is escaping me. The one who didn't Gosh, know. Yes, hang didn't, on. Oh my God. Wouldn't, just, wouldn't define what a woman was. That mm -hmm. one. Okay, but I want to remind you, she also said, I cannot tell you how I would vote on anything unless I see the facts of the case. And to be honest, I think that's fair. I think what I want to know from these justices more than anything is their worldview and their constitutional commitment. If they're committed to the Constitution, that matters most. And then, and it's just like Sotomayor said, her and Justice Thomas have a worldview that is different. He thinks people should get their mess together, and she thinks some people need help with it. She said that, right? And those are two valid viewpoints. But in spite of the different viewpoints, they can agree on the foundation of the country being, as Kristen pointed out, this democracy where we make decisions and we enact laws based on the will of the people. Mm -hmm. The problem is, guys, is the people are voting without information. And this is becoming a growing problem. People yes. are voting on emotion based instead of on the truth. And in fact, there is a, it comes into question and, and even um, Akhil Amar talks about this. When the decision for Roe versus Wade came down, the person who wrote out the opinion on Roe versus Wade um, was, and I'm gonna actually find that, that, that so I can not screw this up. But um, the person who wrote out the decision was Justice Blackburn. And in his decision, he actually brings into the decision some information that he had gotten that was never talked about in the court case. Now, all facts are supposed to be, or all information is supposed to be brought into the court cases so they can be what? They can be disputed, so they can be discussed. So that like, like we have argued for the, since we started this podcast, can we have all opinions on the table and let's look for the facts and then let's make decisions on that, right? Yes. Well, what happened that has that a lot of constitutionalists have taken issue with was that Justice Blackburn in his written decision quoted information he had gotten from Bernard Nathanson. Bernard Nathanson was an OBGYN in New York who was a part of, I think it's pronounced NARAL or N-A-R-A-L, yeah. but it is it was at the time the biggest pro-choice lobbyist in the country. And Bernard Nathanson was a doctor who had performed, according to him, over 60,000 abortions, okay, including his own child. This was a very pro-choice doctor, and he had given out this information that helped um, Justice Blackburn apparently inform his decision and his vote, and he writes about it. But again, these facts were not brought, some of these facts were not brought into the court case, which is a problem. In the 80s, though, Dr. Bernard Nathanson had a conversion experience. He writes about it in his Hand of God autobiography. And at that time, he began to spill the beans on the abortion industry. And he tells us about the number of things that were quoted by Justice Blackburn that he himself said that were actually not based in fact. They were propaganda. One of them was that more women die from illegal abortions. Well, 
the stats apparently today, and we're still going to pull this out so we can show you, because we want to, again, make sure we're telling you those facts as we can find them. But women still die at the same rate of abortions. You can die as a result of, of an abortion. And, and that number really didn't change. So the lie was he said that abortion is a medical issue, not a moral one. But many doctors say, no, it is a moral issue because we take this Hippocratic oath. And the Hippocratic Oath is first, do no harm. If a doctor believes that fetus is a living human being, then there's a moral conflict because it doesn't want to harm a living human being. And this is the nuance around the conversation that's getting left out in the name of women's rights. It's not a black and white conversation to say women have the right to choose what to do with their own bodies. If you believe that baby is a body and a human, it does become more than a medical issue. It also becomes a moral one. Another one would be that abortion alleviates social and racial inequality. In 50 years, that's never been shown to be the case. Never, not one time. And so in fact, what we saw is that what's it doing? It's killing more black children than any other or more black babies or fetuses, whatever you're calling them. It's killing more of them than anyone else. I do not think that that is equality, and it certainly has done nothing to our welfare costs. In fact, there is one person, or there are a lot of people, but there was one lady, and I, I forget her name. She's a Black activist, but she says that Roe versus Wade was the beginning of the demise of the Black American family. That when Roe versus That's in the video. That's in the video that we're going to play. Oh, yeah. Do you have it? Which one is that? Person? That's the one I just, that I sent to you. Um, that's yep. for by the way, if y'all if y'all subscribe to the Daily Wire, they have a really really good um, what's it called? A good episode documentary all about this. But Holly, it's the one. Um, it's the first video I sent to you this morning, just between okay. me and you. It looks like a black and white video. Okay, gotcha. Thank you, because y'all we share so much. You need to listen to this. You need to listen to this. The worst thing that could have happened to black life is Margaret Sanger. She studied under people like Nazis to say, how do we figure out a perfect race? She wanted to make sure that certain populations of people were controlled. And she wrote in a letter that she didn't want word to get out that she wanted to exterminate the Negro population. She considered people of color and the disabled to be like human weeds that should be pulled out of the ground. The ones that were unclean, the ones that were unfit. She went after African-American leaders and pastors to pay them to market to their people to kill their offspring so that there would not be that many Blacks in this country. Unfortunately, those roots of eugenics, it really has borne fruit. African-American women, we are three times more likely to abort than other races. And we have abortion as the number one cause of death in our community. And it's truly devastating. Targeting minorities is systemic in the entire industry. We were told that we were to go into minority neighborhoods, low-income neighborhoods. We were to put up flyers about the abortion services to essentially lure these minority women into our facilities. What has happened to African-American communities as a result of Margaret Sanger's plan to interject abortion in a very vulnerable, poor community has unraveled our family life. Most people don't appreciate that by the 60s, Black family life was still relatively healthy. 78% of Black husbands were in their 
homes with their wives raising children. You fast forward after they interjected welfare state policies and abortion. Now we're looking at 75% of black children born outside of marriage. The low educational rates, the, 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 the high crime rates, the abortion rates, the welfare rates, the AIDS rates, everything ill is hitting this particular population simply because of Margaret Sanger's plan to annihilate this population, their families, and make sure that they did not have success in this country. Mm. And just so y'all know who Margaret Sanger is, yep. she is one of the co-founders of Planned Parenthood. Okay, so we didn't really preface that. But I, did y'all know that about the stats with the black families prior to welfare and that that's that that was something I did not know. And the number one cause of death. Yeah, that that is insane. And I want to remind people because I think this gets turned into a feminist issue. And then they say, if you're pro-life, you aren't a feminist. Um, but there were many feminists like Fannie Lou Hamer and Mildred Jefferson, which she cited, Black civil rights activists who spoke out strongly against the practice of abortion. Susan B. Anthony was spoke out against abortion. So again, let's not be black and white here, okay? Uh, you can be a conservative, pro-choice. You can be a liberal, pro-life. Let's not put people in boxes. Let's look at each individual um, concern, issue, and look at it from the facts forward, right? And try to keep our emotions lined up with what's true and what we can point out as facts. So Margaret Sanger certainly had an agenda. It's been proven. I, I know that Planned Parenthood has responded to this and has sort of admitted that they know that, but that they are different now. Um, but I, we can point you to some other people that you may want to follow that um, were former Planned Parenthood, there is a, actually a whole group now of former Planned Parenthood employees who talk about the practices inside about how, you know, it is a moneymaker. I think it's a $1.9 billion moneymaker, right? You guys like $1.9 billion annual business. So um, they talk about the practices that it's not necessarily about helping women make informed choices for themselves. It's not about choice. It is about abortion. And if there's choice, then there needs to be a conversation around all the options. Um, we're going to play this next. You want to set the second video up for us, Kristen, what that's about? I don't remember what this girl's name was, y'all. I've listened to this three times now, but I recorded it, but it's really good. And it's, it's, a, it's a girl that actually did an investigative um, reporting and just kind of went undercover at Planned Parenthood because she wanted to find out what was really going on. I think she had learned some information and wanted to find out for herself. So take a listen to what she learned. I wanted to test Mark's theory that he had that abortion is, uh, sexual abuse is covered up in abortion clinics across the country. So I went into two abortion clinics in Los Angeles, two Planned Parenthoods, posing as an underage girl with a much older boyfriend. She said, okay, I'm you know 15 years old, he's much older. He's 23. This is a clear case of statutory rape in California. What do I do? And the first Planned Parenthood clinic I walked into, one in Santa Monica, told me that I should change my age on the paperwork so that it would not trigger reporting and I could get a secret abortion. And then the second abortion clinic I went into in Los Angeles, same thing. They said that they were not going to report anything. And she sat there persuading me to have an abortion. If we get this conversation, I'm going to have to talk to my manager. And yeah, he's going to get in trouble. But in order to get the person, I'm not going to tell anybody. So, yeah, the railroad and such and such, and you could do statutory rape or whatever. But it's going to be in the papers. Most people are threatened to stuff. 
It's, uh, you know, how they essentially keep the doors open. You know, Planned Parenthood parades around as this great benefactor to the masses, but they are looking for the most effective ways to make money. The supposedly pro-women organization, Planned Parenthood, is actually covering up the sexual abuse of little girls. And these girls are being taken by their abusers or sent by their abusers for secret abortions and then sent back to their abusers. And the one person who's supposed to intervene, a health professional, and make a report and, and trigger the steps for rescuing that girl and helping her, intervening, is, is not only not doing their job, they're actively participating in the abuse. You know, I, I remember a telling phone call with a detective from the LA Police Department working on child sexual abuse cases. And he said in all his years, his decades working in LAPD, he'd never gotten a phone call from an abortion clinic. No abortion clinic had ever reported suspected abuse when they're the ones dealing with pregnant girls, young girls who are involved in sexual activity. And instead of flagging, oh, is there an older guy involved? What's your situation? Is there abuse going on? They just sell an abortion and send her on her way. And this kind of goes back to one of the major lies that Nathanson and, and his pro-abortion colleagues told, which was that legal abortion is good for women. Abortion is a solution to women's problems, that women will be safer and their health will be better if they can access abortion. This is simply not true. There are serious risks of abortion to women. And even in cases where there aren't kind of health side effects, psychological side effects, long-term consequences, uh, women are actually not better off if their best solution is to kill their child, right? It pits women against their own children. It turns their the, that most vulnerable human relationship into an antagonistic relationship between enemies, and women are not better off as a result of that. I just said I was I was shocked by that. Well, I have seen some of this footage, something like this before, and I was surprised. But once again, just never really dug into it. And I always, you know, I, I definitely know a lot of people who have taken advantage of not taking a leverage Planned Parenthood for themselves because it was the, the best and only option for them. And, but I did not realize all of this, if they are not calling in any suspected abuse, if they are not like, that is shady, that is illegal. I, I just cannot believe what they are doing and hiding it. And people yeah. don't know that. And we don't know, we don't know what's happening at every single Planned Parenthood center, but we do know, and it has been shown multiple times that it's not always above board. And again, it's a money making system. And we know, all of us know we, this whole podcast has stood for follow the money trail, right? Where there's a money trail, you're usually going to find some forms of corruption in some way. And, or many times like corruption and power. And so the purpose of this podcast is not to tell you what to think or to believe, but to point you towards resources, information, facts that perhaps you've not been told because Kristen, Amy, and I, I don't know, Amy is driving in the car, so she's now tuning in from the car, but we all said to each other this week, this has forced us to go and evaluate our opinions, our thoughts, our feelings, and see what the facts of the history of abortion is and what are the, you know, we're, we're told, I think it's our culturally, the mainstream narrative about abortion is that it's about women's rights to choose and that 
but but it there's there's a lot more to that conversation that's not shared enough for example i have friends who have been permanently emotionally scarred from their abortions okay and that's not everyone's story, but where's the care and counseling before mm -hmm. and after these procedures? Where is that? Um, another thing that I used to ask and that I used to wonder about is if we outlaw abortion, our, our <laughs> and listen, my, my aunt had five foster children. My sister was a foster mom who adopted, my aunt adopted. I'm very familiar with the adoption and foster care system in this country. And they need a lot of reform, specifically the foster care system, but we've made it too hard to adopt in this country. We need to promote privatized adoptions. Remember the Friends episode, Monica and Chandler, private, mm -hmm. private adoption, right? Where you, where you there's, a there's a pregnant mom who knows she doesn't wanna care for the baby, so she finds the family. We need to promote those organizations. We need to let women know that is a choice. It's almost like though, culturally, it's been, you either raise the baby yourself or you abort. And, and there I, are so many, there are so many families out there that are desperate to desperate. have a child. And they, so many of them, look, a lot of them want babies from another country, but a lot of them want babies from here or kids from here, you know, so why not have more of that option? And of course, I'm going to let me before we even go on to that even more. Of course, me, I'm going to relate this to the vaccines, because as you were sitting here talking, as we're listening, it's like they're acting like that's the only option. It's just like kind of like the vaccines. It's like you get COVID, you got to wait. You only have the, the vaccines, the only option, only option. Whereas we know there are other options. OK, there is prevention and there's early treatment. You know, there is, there's birth control. I mean, remember that there's, there's, you know, there's sex education. Remember that yeah. there's teaching girls about their cycle, knowing when you're more at risk of becoming pregnant, there's the morning after pill. I know that's not supposed to be used for birth control. It's supposed to be a supplement, but you know, in the cases of, I am not ever going to say that I want somebody who, you know, I, I'm not making a choice for anybody. Okay. But if you know that you have been in a situation and you are at high risk of, of getting pregnant, there's an option of the morning after pill so that you actually can prevent a baby from even forming. It prevents or delays ovulation. It actually prevents it from forming so then you don't even get to that situation. And we have lost track of even talking about, how about just keep your in your pants? Can you, can you keep that? I'm sorry, y'all might have to bleep that out. But can you just do that? And girls, can you not? I mean, and there are times that there are people are going to get taken advantage of. You're going to get in the heat of the moment. There's going to be all kinds. Of course, there's all these other situations, y'all. Yes, we know all of that. But there are options. And I think just knowing the options and educating people and just saying, just stop being so promiscuous, you know, or if you are, then, you, you know, at some point. Well, personal responsibility has got to come back. And we well, and I, hey, I'm I'm here. I'm in the car, but I'm go, here. girl, go, go. That, um, the Maya Angelou quote, you know, like when you know better, you do better. It's like we know all these things now. We know that there are, you know, we know what causes pregnancy, right? I mean, I know that things happen, accidents happen. You know, I know this, but but we also know how it happens, and we know that there are things like Kristen said, the morning after pill, and you know, other things like that um, that that we can do. Not in every case this works, but 
once you know this, then you can do better and you can, you know, I'm interested to see what the statistics will be like um, moving forward. Like, will people be more careful now? Will there be great right. responsibility because you know there's no other option, right? And and this is this, and I am a big I am you guys if you know me I am about personal accountability and responsibility, and we again we all know there's going to be outliers there's going to be different circumstances that are unusual, but we looked at the statistics and the statistics show that the vast majority of abortions were elected based on it was not convenient. They didn't have the felt they didn't have the money for this or they did, but it wasn't based on rape, incest, or the things that, you know, I would probably argue most Americans would say, yes, it should be permitted, you know, the life of the mother, any of those things, which by the way, let's bring clarity to that. There were trigger laws that states had put on the books that if Roe v. Wade was ever overturned would either enact immediately or within 30 days or within a short period of time that their government put the stamp of approval onto the law, but they were set up, ready to go. And I wanna clarify, because this is where misinformation is happening. There were three states where immediately the laws changed. It was Kentucky, Louisiana, and South Dakota. And that law said anyone who provides an abortion will be charged with a felony unless the mother's life is in danger. That would include an ectopic pregnancy, Okay, that would include anything that could damage your reproductive system and cause you harm or death. Okay, and that would be those were going into effect immediately. But again, there were exceptions. There's not there's not a teetotal rule here that within 30 days, Idaho, Tennessee and Texas, they have the same law. It's but guess what? None of this punishes the mother. Not one law punishes the mother. It is the abortion provider. Okay. And I know the argument will be, well, then the mothers might try to do it themselves. Okay, that's conversation. You know, that's that's a whole other thing. But it doesn't punish the mother. Um, the I, Idaho, Tennessee, and Texas had the same. And then there are seven states that are going to, they now it will go in to implement like within a certain, they just have a legal process they go through. But these are, are expected to implement um, these laws as well. Arkansas. Wyoming, Mississippi, Missouri, North Dakota, Oklahoma, Utah, and all of those had the same thing. Mother's life is in danger. And North Dakota said rape or incest. Utah said rape or incest. Mom's life, baby not okay. Wyoming said the same as Utah. So again, not one state said abortion's illegal. Mm-mm. They just put parameters around what would be allowed. And I think that's again, where we got to stick to facts and not feelings and opinions here. That's what is currently on the table. And while we're talking about even more changes, I absolutely feel like there needs to be more mental health counseling, whether they go through the abortion or not. From the very beginning, if it is an unwanted, unplanned pregnancy, mental health needs to be involved because whatever decision they make, they're going to need that support. And I think that's where just our whole medical system has just like, really, it's fallen through the cracks. People are falling through the cracks like that. With well, that. This- we also need, sorry, Holly, no, keep going. why don't we have stricter punishment for the rapist, for the, tra- why aren't we looking at all these people, the trafficking? Why aren't we looking at the rapist and like, cut their thing off. Yeah. I, I bet they wouldn't be doing it then. 
Right. I am all about, I'm, seriously, like it, if there were stricter punishments and they actually cared like to find these people and do something with it, I would really think that they wouldn't do that again or they would not do it. I mean, I'm sure there are right. dumbasses and assholes that'll do it, but you know, I get, this is going to be a, well, uh, we'll tell uh, Anderson to just <laughs> so the kids can listen. Um, if you know, the kids need to listen to this one, though, right? So, <laughs> actor Kelsey Grammer said, "If someone has to die as a result of rape, then we should kill the rapist, not the yeah. unborn child." Right? And I know people are going to say that's a man saying it. Listen, everybody has different feelings and opinions, and just because you're a woman or a man doesn't mean you don't get to have an opinion about the about the issue. You know, th I, we also have to remember there are many men who's who've gotten a woman pregnant and wanted the child and the mother didn't and the mother did got to make the choice. Uh, we don't talk enough about, you know, those kinds Great of point. you know, mm -hmm. and again, this is complicated. There's there's a lot of nuance to the conversation and to be black and white screaming at one another saying you're going to cut each other off if you don't agree is absolutely the problem in the country more than anything else, that you would divide yourself over someone having a difference of opinion. Um, it's immature, honestly. It's immature and it makes you look, it makes you look intolerant. In the I want to bring up, right, and I want to bring up one more point. I don't know if y'all seen this, that they are talking about um, providing transportation for people to go from state to state. Um but they wouldn't provide, you know, like baby formula or they wouldn't do, you know, they're providing transportation from people at the border <laughs> to go in different places. And they're providing this. I'm like, where are they getting this gas money? You know, <laughs> this, uh, but look, I'm all about, if you want that, I, I am not, I, I don't want to insert any opinion because I really do. Well, I guess you would know that like, I really just, yeah, it, it's like, there's just a slippery slope. Like I, I am, I, you know, there are things that I, there are situations that I do feel like there should be a choice. So, I mean, I get, I am pro choice. I mean, but I'm also, I want everybody to live if you can. Well, I know. <laughs> that. I also don't think you should try. And there, you know, so that's the great thing about having it at the state level, then you can go to different states, but then they're going to say people don't have access to it. But is that really our taxpayer money that should be providing that for them? I think that's the question that when our taxpayer money is not providing other things that are true necessities right now that's for the people who are living to survive right now. <laughs> well, it all, it also goes back. You know, I think if you've listened to us for the last year, you know that we are limited government. We are girls that really want to see more limited government. And we do want people to have the right to choose to do what they want. But Kristen made a good point. It's a slippery slope. And when abortion was first, when the, when the decision came down, remember they talked about what was it, Kristen? Safe, uh, rare, safe, rare, and legal, and legal, and that was the goal. But now look where we've gotten to. We're now in the state of California and New York. They pushed it to where you are. That is, I'm sorry, you're feeling a baby kick. I don't know how you're still calling it a fetus. You know that's that. It just gets into a whole next level, and it's like if we we gave an inch and, and someone took a mile, and and it's about bringing balance back. And, and I think if you can step back and you look at history, we just went, we've, we've really taken this a long way. I'm going to say too far, you may disagree, but I, but it's like, we got to rein this back in and bring back personal responsibility and accountability and all these people screaming, 
well, who's going to look after my baby? You know, when I, when I get pregnant, you are, that's, who's going to do it because here's the problem in the history of the world. If you got pregnant, it was your job to look after that baby. And I, I get, I listen, I know all the things I, I know poor people. I have poor family members that have gotten pregnant. When I got pregnant with Anderson, truth be known, I didn't want to be pregnant. Anderson knows this. I did not want to be pregnant. I was married, newly married, but I didn't even have a job yet because I was sitting for the, the CPA exam. I had no job. I had gone to college to, to earn, like to start the CPA career that got abruptly ended because I got pregnant. I was married, but we made $27,000 a year and lived in a one bedroom apartment. It wasn't convenient. Now, again, I'm not saying what you should choose, but I'm telling you what I chose. And I chose that because I was raised by parents who taught me personal responsibility and also the belief that it would work out. I have an optimistic belief that things are rigged in our favor and that Good will come from the hardest things I ever go through. Guess what? It did. He is the joy of my life. Thank God I chose, <laughs> right? Thank God I chose. But anyway, I'm, we just, again, we know this is a complicated issue, but we were not going to let another week go by seeing the information and most importantly, fear. So much fear. Stop the fear. Fear blinds your ability, your mind's ability to process and understand. And if we've said things that make you uncomfortable today, good. We all have to challenge our belief system and be willing to have it challenged and not stay comfortable. We need to know the truth and the facts. We will put links to the things we shared here today. Yes, we shared things you're not seeing in the mainstream media. For all information shared by them, you know where to find them. Have at it. There are a few bits of data that we do want to add here. This, these are the U.S. abortion statistics. You can typically find those from the Guttmacher Institute, AGI, and also from the Centers for Disease Control, although we will share that California, Maryland, and New Hampshire do not publicly report abortion totals. So Guttmacher, for example, even admits they're not entirely sure about all their numbers. They they state that 84% of their 2020 abortion total, for example, is based on actual abortion counts, but the remaining 16% was estimated. So it's possible that it's not 100% accurate for sure, but certainly this will give you a general idea. The point that we're trying to make here is again, just the awareness of what has transpired over the last 50 years and where this has led us. And in 2020, they estimated that there were 930,000 abortions in the country. But that was on the decline from, say, the year 2000, where there was 1.3 million. So there had been a decline in the number of abortions in recent years. Um, but then that started to uptick, I believe, after 2019, I think it was the year where they began to see the uptick, or actually, I think it was maybe 2018. In any case, we just wanted to be forthright in sharing the numbers, um, the numbers of abortions performed in the US, but also to point out one important fact. So many times we have seen in recent months, certainly since the leak came out, that this opinion was likely going to be reversed people saying they were gonna to move to Europe. And what you'll find is that Europe actually has more stringent 
abortion restrictions than even the United States. And, and in fact, the United States um, certainly has a higher percentage of um, births ending in abortion. According to the United Nations 2013 report, for example, there were only nine countries in the world that had a higher reported abortion rate, and that didn't include China, it's not a member of the UN, but certainly uh, it's very safe to say, according to all the data, including what's come out of the UN, they certainly believe China's official abortion rate is actually much higher than the 19.2% stated. That means that about one in five children in China are aborted. Uh, the United States is at 19% as of 2019. In other words, one in five children, almost 19 out of 100 children or, or, or pregnancies are ended through elective abortion. I'm gonna be careful with my words there because I really do want everyone to be able to hear this information um, clearly. And then certainly we know that there are certain states where there's highest percentages. For example, in 2020, the District of Columbia, Washington, D.C., New York and New Jersey had the highest percentage of pregnancies that ended in abortion. And again, these were elective. These are not spontaneous. Abortions are not included in these totals. That would mean miscarriages. I mean, Washington, D.C. was 52%. New York was 35%. New Jersey, 34%. But then at Wyoming, 2%. South Dakota, 1%. Missouri, 0.2%. So it's just important to notice, but one thing that struck us that we did not know until we started researching this week, that the United States has one of the highest rates in the world. And here are the countries that are right up there with the United States, Cuba, Romania, Russia, Ukraine. I mean, these are communist countries. We found that interesting. Um, there were other countries like Georgia and Kazakhstan, Estonia, a lot of those in that region around Romania and Ukraine, but Ukraine, Russia, and Cuba, uh, and China certainly struck us as the fact that our numbers were similar to theirs, we just found interesting. So we do wanna point that out as well. Um, certainly, when you're looking at statistics, the vast majority were elective based on reasons that were not necessarily, that were not emergencies, life of the mother or the baby. And certainly most, 86% of them were unmarried women. So it's women without partners in the home. Um, and uh, so, yeah, that's, that's where things stand. And we just thought this is an important piece of information that you need to know. And if there's anything that y'all want to add to this, or if we perhaps said anything incorrectly, please let us know. If there's anything that's going on, like in your state that you want to bring attention, us to bring attention to, please let us know because we, we want to know and we want to share. We want to be the, the, the platform to get the actual truth and, and the actual information out. That's right. And, and, and by the way, if you hear of a doctor or any medical provider that is not treating a woman with an ectopic pregnancy in a state that has a trigger law and they're saying they can't because of the trigger law, let us know that too, because that is actually illegal. Mm -hmm. According to their laws, that would be illegal. And it's also a violation of their Hippocratic Oath. And by the way, these health providers are responsible. Yep, they show okay. is. And not the mother. 
and the nurses are because they need to be doing something too if they, they can't just wait on that doctor. <laughs> nope, nope. Take care of your people. Yes. All right, y'all. Thanks for tuning in today. We'll see you next week. Bye, y'all. Bye.